Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, I have good news for you. I'm not going to preach on spit this week. <laughs> so I just want to let you know. I, uh, Pastor Ricky, as you know, spoke last week on spit. And, uh, and thank goodness I didn't have to do that. This week we're going to talk about the garments that Jesus wore. And in particular, the garment, the robe. You know, we all think clothing is important, don't we? Uh, because in many times it covers things up that are important, pretty important to cover up. And uh, I'm so thankful that I wear clothes. <laughs> and I know many of you are too. <laughs> yeah, I heard, thank you for that amen. That might be the only one I get today. Um, it's really... Clothes are really important, and they say a lot about a person, really. Um, and I know this morning in, the, in a congregation like this, some of you are going, wow, that's great. And, and we get to talk about clothes, you know. And um, I'm not much of a shopper for clothes, as you can tell. Uh, but my daughter bought me this sweater, really nice, got it for Christmas. She likes to shop. She really likes shoes. Uh, but, um, you know, most guys aren't much shoppers. I, I, uh, I bought these jeans, Liberty Thrift. Yeah, so I'm good. You know, where everybody else, I, I, I saw a guy this past weekend. I wasn't here. I was uh, with my brother in Virginia, and I saw a guy that had $650 pants on. Now, they're hunting pants. They're very specialized. They're waterproof and scratch-proof and all that. And I had my $5 Liberty Thrift. So I felt pretty good about that. So, but clothes are really important. They do say something about who you are and what you do. I do have some pictures here. Just shout out what these people represent, okay? It's really important. So, uh, what is that? Sure, please. What's next? Oh, firefighters. Yeah, good, good. And just keep going. There we go. Doctor, keep going. Good. That's just a suit. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a chef. And so these, you're known by what you wear many times. And so what we're going to look at today is what are we wearing? As we come into this Lenten season, what are we wearing? Oh, there's my favorite. The hunter, anyway. Um, so it's so it's so encouraging to to know what are you being known for and what do you wear. Now I'm not just talking outside, obviously, but what are you wearing? What do you clothe yourself in? And so that's what we are going to look at today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this season where we actually see the. And, and remember the sacrifice that Jesus had for us. Help us to put on the robe of Christ today. In Christ's name I pray, amen. We don't really know what Jesus wore or how fancy he was. Like we do know that the priests back in the day wore really fancy robes and garments and had all sorts of decorations on them and they would have headgear with uh, prayer, prayer boxes on their head. They're called phylacteries. And um, they would really look different. But Jesus, I think, was just 
a simple. He was kind of wanted to blend in kind of guys. He, uh, his robe was probably simple in some ways, but in others it was not. In John 19, which kind of is our key passage that we're going on today, it says this. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. It made it pretty rare, pretty miraculous, pretty cool to have a robe like that. Wasn't anything fancy, it was just there. But in his robe, we see uh, the power that it demonstrated through Christ's robe. He, people would just want to get close to Jesus. In, in, uh, we know of one in particular passage where a lady who was um, bleeding for 12 years, and, she, and, and because of her bleeding, she could not even enter into the temple because she would have been considered unclean. The place where Christ dwelt, the place where the Holy Spirit dwelt, where God dwelt, was the temple. And she couldn't be in the presence of God, is what they're intimating in the passage. But it says this. Just then a woman who had suffered 12 years from her constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the frim of his robe. For she thought, if I could just touch his robe, I would be healed. I will be healed. Jesus turned around and then when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. Her, her, her illness restricted what she could do and, and be in her practice and being entering into the presence of God. But that can all change. And now this isn't the only example of people just touching the robe. As a matter of fact, just a few pages later in Matthew 14, it says, when the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all the sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched were healed. See, the power of the robe is that the robe will transform our lives. For some, it heals. For some, it removes the, the sin and all of that. But it is the power of the robe that makes the difference. Jesus lays down his robe and takes up our sin. The power of the robe. Another thing we see about the robe that Jesus had was that uh, the, it was, it was uh, woven from, from top to bottom, one piece, seamless. No breaks, no seams. And this, I think the symbolism behind this is that Jesus is, it was his sinless perfection. Jesus came to the earth from heaven, top to bottom, the way his uh, robe was made, and this symbolized, and it, and it represented Christ and who he was. He was sinly perfected. He, he was a, it's also a symbol of the priesthood. And he is the great high priest. This robe probably was woven by his mom for him as he ventured out into ministry. That was one of the traditions this, back in this time that the, the robe was 
woven from top to bottom. And it was, it was a custom that in those days that when, when a young man was leaving for ministry or leaving for work or leaving for vocation of some sort, um, he, this, this uh, robe was made for him, a gift in seamless perfection. And Jesus laid down that sinless perfection so that we could have eternal life, so that we could get rid of our dirty, dirty clothes. We're all infected, it says in Isaiah, we're all infected with and impure with sin. We, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sin sweeps us away like the wind. You know, I know about filthy rags. Um, many years ago, I worked uh, in a trash company, and uh, we would take clean rags, and sometimes I'd have to get under the trash trucks to grease them and stuff like that. And if you know what, in the summer, what, what trash trucks do is they leak a little. So I'm under this truck, and... I've got a rag, and one rag is to do the greasing, and the other is just to wipe the stuff off my face. <laughs> I know. It was disgusting. For the first couple times I did it, I, I got sick. But anyway, um, that's what our, our lives are like. No matter how good we think we're doing, our righteousness is but filthy rags compared to the holiness and righteousness of God. The, promises of garden, uh, the promise of the robe is this then. Jesus gave up his robe, his sinless, perfect robe, and the power to transform lives. He gave that robe up, and he took up the cross. And at that point, he exchanged ro wardrobes with us. We got to put on his robe and he took our filthy rags. He took our dirty clothes. Isaiah 61.10 says this. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in the robe of righteousness. He drapes us in the righteousness of, of himself because he took our dirty clothes and put them on himself. And so he removed the deeds, the dirty deeds from us. So let me ask this, what, what clothes are we wearing? What are we known for? What do we, what clothes do people see us wearing? Are there robes of righteousness or other robes? Maybe robes like this, Romans 13. So remove the dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. In other words, we, we belong in the light. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness and wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, What's it say to do? Read it with me. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ 
And don't let yourself think. Yes, don't even think about indulging evil desires. I remember I, I've been, before I was, uh, I've been a youth pastor before now, and uh, I always would tell young people, nothing ever good happens after 11 o'clock, so be home. <laughs> My kids live by that rule. I told them, nothing good ever happens. And, that, and that's what the, this saying here, it says, don't participate in the darkness. No longer participate in the darkness. And the scripture even says, evil men love darkness better than light. We need to live in the presence. I love the key phrase. Instead, clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way we need to live our lives. And, and what, that, what that is based on is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That darkness is gone. Do you get that? And the old life is gone and the new life has begun. We no longer need to live in the darkness. We need to live into the light. So we say, well, how do you go about doing that, Gil? You know, it's a struggle. And I get it. It's a struggle to live in the light. Our minds go places, our fingers may go places. You know, we may be doing things that we want to do, so how do, we, how do we get the power to overcome that? Well, you put on the robe, because the robe has power in it, this symbolic robe of power and righteousness. But I'm gonna give you four things that I think are really important. The first one is this, prayer. You need to pray. Before the word of God was even printed, prayer was our way to communicate to God. It was the way that we shared our hearts and shared our joys and it, it was a, a time where we could just express our heart. You know, if, in our relationships, if we didn't talk to one another, you start to decline in your relationship, don't you? If you can't share with the person that you care about, it's hard. It's hard to keep that relationship going. If someone moves away or somebody that you, that you care about and all of a sudden there's something that comes between you and you can't really get over it, it's because you can't talk about it. Prayer is so important. Prayer is being in the very presence and power of God. It says when we accept Christ, we have very access, the very access to the throne of God. We have the very ability to enter. Prayers can be for us the greatest experience. It's a weapon against evil. It helps us disciple others when we pray for them. Prayer is sharing this sacred and holy space with the Lord. Prayer is one of those with one, prayer, prayer is one with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit bringing them all together. Prayer is the beginning of our relationship with the Lord. And it continues when we pray. And all in all, our relationship with the Lord, prayer is so significant and so important. So here's what I'd like you to do. As we clothe ourselves in righteousness, put on your prayer pants. Visualize putting your prayer pants on every day as we come into this time. And we need to, even, even if we think it's difficult, we need to pray. You know, if prayer was easy, everybody would do it. It's not. There's nothing that Satan would like more than to defeat you in your prayer life and in my prayer life.
The second thing we see and that we need to put on is the Word of God. The Word of God can be your shirt. You know, what better time than Lent to be committed to reading God's Word? Because word, God's Word is so important. It should be a priority in our lives. I mean, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, it says this. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in what? That's what this sermon is all about, being in living in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We read God's word so that we are prepared to do the work of the ministry. He corrects us, he trains us, he equips us to do these things. His word, if we choose to wear it, will be what helps us to live in the righteousness of God, to put on the righteousness of God. You know, we all look at things differently when it comes to clothing, real clothing. But the shirt of prayer is, uh, the shirt of God's word is very significant. And we need to be in it because it's the way that God clearly speaks to each of us. You know, my daughter and I have different perspectives on, on clothing. She, she likes to dress up. As a matter of fact, last night at about I think it was about 8.30 or so. She goes, I'm going upstairs to pick out for what I'm wearing tomorrow. I go, she goes, what are you wearing? I said, whatever's clean. <laughs> yeah, it's just different, which is not true. I wore this sweater because I wanted to talk to you about the importance of clothing and, and uh, how this, that she got this for me. And she looks, it looks differently. And we both, we all look differently on this. And one, it's really important one time she came to me and she goes, um, she goes, Dad, you wore that last week. I said, well, that's okay. Nobody will remember. I did. <laughs> but what are you known for? Are you a person that's in God's word and hears him speak and then you apply whatever he teaches you? Of course, praise and worship is another so you've got your pants of prayer, you've got your shirt of, of, uh, of God's word, and then you've got a coat, and the coat is praise and worship. You really need a coat today because it's cold. But praise and worship. It's not an accident that we have this wonderful praise team. It's not an accident that we sing in service. It's not because we merely are taking time up to, to uh, just before the offering and before the preacher speaks God's word. There is something very spiritual and something supernatural about worship. When we worship, the Lord worships us right back. I know, that's the weirdest thing ever. But in Zephaniah three seventeen, it says, the Lord your God is, in, is uh, in your mindset. A mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. Then listen to this. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. As we worship him, he worships up right back. It's just a powerful thing. 
And sometimes as we express our worship to God, you can sense that power and presence in your life. And now the last thing you put on is your shoes because you wouldn't want to dirty anything. We always put our shoes on just before we leave. And for me, this is sharing your story. Look for divine appointments. Look for opportunities to share your story with others. Look for opportunities because if you don't, you just, you come and you hear God's word and you hear God's word and you hear teaching and you worship and you praise, but unless you're sharing that story with others, unless you're doing the work of the ministry, unless you're involved, if you're just sitting here and not involved, get involved. It's part of sharing what God wants us to do. He, 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 if, you, if you're doing the Christian life, you can't just sit in a chair. You've got to be willing to fulfill God's call in your life. And that happens when you share your story. So get involved. Share your story. Either with a neighbor or someone else, share your story. These things will help you clothe yourself in righteousness. The prayer pants, the shirt of God's word, <clears throat> the coat of praise and worship as it covers you and it flows through you. And then the shoes as it gets you out there doing. So let me ask, what is the Spirit of God doing for you? How are you living? How, how do, what will your neighbor say about the way you live? I, I, I did something really funny. I've never done it before, but I went on Classmates. It's a, like an app or something. I don't know what it is. I, but I looked it up, and it's, you know, I, I, I had a tiny high school class. Tiny, tiny. 28 or 29, somewhere in there. Still not sure if we all graduated. But I remember looking, I looked it up yesterday, and there were eight people that had something to say about me. I go, oh, that's good, I hope. But the one that jumped off the page to me was this. Gilbert, that's what they called me. Gilbert was kind. <laughs> but he was not athletic. <laughs> So, what do we want to be known for? Do you want to be known for the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us? Because it says in Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces in you this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what he produces in us. Do your friends and neighbors all see that in you? Do they see these, these um, wonderful attributes just exuding from your life? So let me ask you, what robe are you wearing? Is it full of dirt or is it like Jesus' robe? Seamless and perfected. You know, none of us are perfect. But when we put on the robe of Christ, the powerful and life-changing power of Christ can be upon us. Not because of anything we did, but because he took his robe at the cross, laid it on the ground, 
picked up our dirty clothes and put them on. So let me encourage you today. Put the robe of Christ on. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and take full control of every area of your life. Put on the robe of Christ and live for him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what you did for us. The willingness to take your robe off and put on our dirty clothes. Help us today to live in the power of your presence and in the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in your name. Amen.